Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone meeting and greeting. And we're going to meet and greet our God in a moment in prayer. My name is Nicole, and we're going to read the Bible together. But first, let's pray to our great God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us truth. Truth in the form of your word, and truth in the form of your word who became flesh and dwelt among us, our Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that great truth of all, that he took our place. He took the punishment that we should have so that we could be reconciled to you. And we pray, Lord, that as we gather around your word today, that you would inspire us more with your truth, how to be truth-filled people, to walk in the truth of the knowledge of you and spread that truth around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our reading today comes from John chapter 18, the last part of the chapter from verse 28 to 40. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. All right. Well, good morning again, everyone. It is awesome uh, to be here with you guys. I did just want to take one moment uh, as we, uh, before we get started to really thank uh, Mel Neville, uh, Selena, and Fraser for organizing trivia last night. We didn't really get a chance at the end of the evening, uh, but I know lots of you guys were there. So I want to just take a moment and give those guys a round of applause because they really were absolutely fantastic. Uh, 
Tom was probably there setting up chairs and I didn't see it or something like that as well. Like, this, this, there was a, it was a great night, a lot of stuff went into it, uh, and I'm deeply thankful for it, even if my team did come forth. That's okay. We'll, we'll, next year, next year. Um, no, it was a great time, so thank you guys, really appreciate it. Uh, so we are in the Gospel of John. Uh, we're looking at Jesus' death and resurrection over this Easter period. It's a great chance for us to really work through this story slowly, to really see some of the depth and the detail that is in it. And as they mentioned, today we're looking at this idea of hearing the truth. And that's a really, 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 really important skill for us to develop. Uh, and as I was thinking about this passage, I was reminded of a book I read uh, a few years back called The Signal and the Noise uh, by a guy by the name of Nate Silver. Now, this book is kind of about uh, trying to make predictions about the future, but the key idea, right, is this idea that in this era that we live in now of big data, where there's just so much information around us all the time, that you would sort of think that the more information we have, then the more we would know. But oftentimes, it's the other way round, where the sheer volume of information actually makes it more difficult for us to figure out what the signal of truth is amidst all of the noise that surrounds us. And so in his introduction to the book, he, he finishes the, the first little bit by saying, the signal is the truth, the noise is what distracts us from the truth. And today, we're, we're going to look at Pilate. We're going to think about this guy who seems to come so close to the truth. We're going to think about this man and the role that he was in and the decision that he makes and how he could come so close to hearing the truth but ultimately fails to listen to it. And we're going to think a little bit about how we can possibly make the same mistake, whether we're following after Jesus now or whether we're yet to hear that signal amongst the noise. So let's jump into this. We came off the back of last week where Chris took us through uh, the previous events, including Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal of Judas, and then also the denials of his faithful follower, Peter, who in this moment proves to be a little less than faithful. And as we're going through this, there's the story of what's happening with Jesus in this arrest. We're sort of taking these little side detours to look at these characters, to look at how they're responding to what's happening. But the big narrative is Jesus being taken through from his arrest in the garden through to ultimately his death upon the cross. And so that's the narrative part that we're seeing here in the story. So he's been sent from the high priest to now go to the Roman authorities. So the way it worked in Jesus' time was uh, Jerusalem, the city that they're in, okay, and Judea, the, the sort of country that they were in, was actually under the rule of these Roman authorities. So it was part of the Roman Empire, and we're going to see that Pilate is the guy that's put in charge of this. So at first, those arresting Jesus take him to the high priest to be sort of judged and, and have a trial before him, but now there's a specific end that these people who have arrested him and brought him in are seeking, and the only way that they think they can get that is to go through the Roman authorities. So let's have a look. It says, Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, that's the high priest, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So here's the deal. You've got this... Uh, what they called pagan center of government, of which there would be feasting and eating and that sort of stuff. 
And according to Jewish law, the, the Pharisees' interpretation of it, it would have been something where if they had gone into this place of eating with these pagans, where they were eating food that wasn't sacrificed in the appropriate way according to Jewish laws and all that sort of stuff, they would be unclean and therefore unable to actually celebrate the Passover, which was like the biggest feast in the, the Jewish festival in the Jewish calendar. Okay? And so we see just a little bit of the insight that John gives us as, as we work through these passages where he mentions these things that if we just think about them show just how crazy and upside down this entire situation is. Because we've got these Jewish guys, these Jewish leaders who should be the most uh, switched on to what God is doing, who should be the ones who can hear the signal amongst the noise the clearest. And yet here they are being super concerned about whether they're going to be clean for Passover or not, while literally trying to get Jesus murdered. Now, this, is, this is the irony of what's taking place and the situation that's gotten to in these Jewish leaders' hearts, where no longer able to hear the truth that Jesus has been proclaiming, they will now, without any self-awareness whatsoever, be worried about being ritually clean while trying to find a way to kill a man through the law. That's where we're at. Pilate is now introduced. Not, not told much about him here in this passage, but, but he was the, the pre-consul of this region. Basically, Caesar is the guy who rules in Rome. He's the head of the Roman Empire. And what he does is he sends out these guys to be these sort of regional administrators to oversee the territories that the Jewish Empire commands. And Pilate, it seems, is a pretty good one. He understands the Jewish customs. He's trying to work with the people. The way that the Roman Empire ruled is they weren't coming in to sort of stamp Roman ways upon everything, what they would do was they wanted to make sure that everyone knew the Romans were in charge, and as long as you remembered that, you could keep up your local customs, even your local laws and your local courts, just as long as there was no misunderstanding about who was really in charge. So Pilate, knowing that the Jews have got these uh, rules about coming into his place, is willing to come out and talk to them. So it says that Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man. Now remember, this, this is uh, very early in the morning when this is taking place. Like He's got to be thinking, this must be some sort of big deal if they're willing at this point in time to, to come to him at this hour and bring this prisoner to him. So what is it that this guy has done, is the question that, that he's asking. And they give this really kind of evasive answer, right? Because the truth is, Jesus hasn't actually done anything. They're mad and upset, these Jewish leaders, because Jesus has been claiming equality with God. They think that he's a blasphemer. They think that they've spoken against God. But if you actually try to point your finger at something and say, here is where he's broken the law, they don't have anything. So instead they're like, well, if he wasn't a criminal, would we have handed him over to you? Like, just, just go with it, right? Trust us. Yeah, you know us. All right? They don't actually have anything on him. And Pilate, possibly sensing this, that maybe there's not a lot here for him to get involved with, says, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. All right? He's like, listen, all right, kind of getting the vibe here. This isn't really a Roman deal. If you guys have got your own thing going on, you guys take care of it and deal with it yourselves. But now we get a sense of why it is that they've come here and exactly, specifically, what it is that they are looking for. For they say but we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. Just, just imagine for a situation here, if you're Pilate 
And you get these guys come in at this the early hour of the morning, like they've you know, been up all night and all this sort of stuff, and they come in, and you're like, oh my goodness, what has this guy done? And they're like, ah, you know, he's a bad guy, otherwise we wouldn't be here, right? You know? And he's like, no, guys, just go and deal with it yourself. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, yeah, but we can't kill him. Like, that's a jump, right? That you've got you to sort of slow down and see the, the, just how weird and ridiculous this situation actually is. So, they're concerned about the fact that they don't have a right to actually do it. Now, the funny thing is, it's not entirely clear if they couldn't actually execute someone, because as we look in the gospel, sorry, in the book of Acts, we see that they take Stephen, who becomes a follower of Jesus, and they stone him to death. And it certainly seems in the passage that we're going to look, like, look at next week uh, with the, sorry, in, after Easter, sorry, uh, with the adulterous woman, that they appeared ready to execute her based upon the act of adultery that they'd caught her in. And so in both instances, they seem ready to stone someone And so it doesn't seem like the actual issue here is necessarily that they don't have the right to execute anyone, but rather they want Jesus to die in a very specific way. Now, we're not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty pretty sure that this is actually what's going on here. Because they seem ready to kill people in other situations. They seem to know that they've got a little bit of flexibility and freedom under Roman law to get away with some of this stuff. But what they want is a crucifixion. Because it says, under the law, that anyone who's hung on a tree is under God's curse. They don't just want Jesus put to death. They want even the method of his death to communicate really clearly that he is against God. They don't just want him dead. They want him discredited. They want it completely clear that this man is not one of us, he does not speak for us, he is not from God. And what in their minds would seemingly would make it clear is if he's hung from a cross because anyone who's suffering that fate has clearly been rejected by God. And alongside this, as Chris was talking about last week, we see more evidence that even though this is crazy what's happening, it's all in accordance with God's plan. Because John tells us this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. And sure enough, as we look back earlier in John's gospel, we see these words from Jesus. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, he said. And Sorry, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus knew all along he was going to be lifted up. That was going to be his method of death. He was going to be hung upon a cross. And so the very thing that these Jewish leaders think are going, is ultimately going to discredit Jesus is actually all taking place in accordance with his plan because indeed he is going to become a cursed, but not because God has completely rejected him, but because he is the one who's been chosen to come and die upon a cross and be a curse for us in order that we might be saved. The narrative, though, continues. It says that Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? A little bit of a curveball here. Clearly, Pilate must know something, because we're not told in the narrative that this is what the Jewish leaders were complaining against him. So Pilate must have gotten word from somewhere that this is the actual problem. 
but it's a really interesting question. It's an interesting way that he asks it. So we sort of lose this here in the English, but if we, we look at it in the Greek, there's sort of a way where you can sort of uh, put emphasis on a word by repeating it. And so it's like they're saying, are you, you, the king of the Jews? In the old translation, you get a little bit more of the feel of it, like in King James, where it was like, art thou the king of the Jews? But get your best uh, you know, Shakespeare on. Art thou the king of the Jews? Because this is not an impressive looking man. Like again, Pilate's there early in the morning. He's got this, you know, maybe in the middle of breakfast or whatever, in the middle of a meal. All right, this guy's been brought into him. The Jews are very, very upset with him. They're wanting to put him to death. And so he's like, what, you know, are are you the king of the Jews? This guy? The king? Like, Like, really? And so Jesus says to him, is that your own idea that you've come up with? Or did others talk to you about me? Which one is this? Where is this question coming from? Is what Jesus is asking. Because if it's the first one, if it's coming from Pilate himself, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate, in all likelihood, is seeing this as some sort of political thing. Are you claiming to be the king of the Jews in order to launch some sort of political movement? Is that, is that where this is going? In which case the answer would be no. But if this question is coming from what the Jewish guys have been accusing Jesus of, that they're saying that he claims to be the messianic king of the Jews, then the answer would be yes. And so Jesus is sort of you know, trying to take this conversation a little bit further. But Pilate says, am I a Jew? Like, is this really my concern? Does, does this, I'm, not gonna get in, I'm not interested in getting into a dialogue here with you about what's actually taking place. That's not what this is. He says, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Remember, Pilate is just trying to see this through the lens of, do I need to do anything about this? Clearly, these Jewish guys, they're in a you know, big fuss about this, but is this my problem or is this their problem? He's just trying to figure out what, what is actually happening here. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight, to protect, would, would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. As always, Jesus doesn't really answer the question, does he? He's got his own message that he wants to get. Pilate's asking him the question, uh, what have you done? And, and Jesus sort of skips that and goes back to the speech that he sort of started when he was like, is this your question or is this question coming from others? Well, what did you do? Because if it's from you, he almost continues, you need to know that my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. So this is the, this is the, the dilemma that's now before Pilate. Well, this, this guy is claiming to be a king. He seems to be saying something a little bit different, but again, rather than engage them, he simply says back to him, you are a king then. Which could be a question that's a little bit unclear in the context, or it could be a declaration just like, so you are a king. A declaration, maybe. But the key thing here is how Jesus answers it. He says, you say that I am a king. It's almost like saying, again, in the old translation, it's like, so sayest thou, was kind of the way they used to translate it. It's not a really... Uh, it's not denying what he's just said, but it's also not really laying hold of either. 
He's saying, so when, so when Pilate says, so you are a king, he's like, well, that's what you're saying. But again, he says, in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We've got this dialogue about kingdoms and kings going on and, and what exactly the nature of Jesus is and what is it that Jesus has done. And actually, Jesus kind of gets to the heart of the matter by saying, Yo, indeed, I do have a kingdom, but it's not one that you recognize. It's not one that you understand. My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of this place. It's of another place. But the thing is, the real reason that I've come, if you ask me what I have done, what I've been doing, I've come in the world to testify to the truth and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now again, we'll look at this in a little bit more detail in just a moment, but you know, Pilate is now in this situation where it's an intriguing situation, is it not? The Jewish leaders have brought this guy to him. They're not going to say specifically what he's done. They want him dead. He's claiming to be a king, and yet at the same time he's saying that it's not of this world. You know, you'd sort of almost dismiss this as a crazy thing, except the Jewish leaders seem really invested in this. Like that. And now he's saying, you know, everyone who's on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate's face to face with the king of kings. Surely an intriguing figure, something that you would expect. Maybe I could take this conversation a little bit further. But Pilate simply says, what is truth? It's dismissive. He's not philosophically pondering, what is truth? Let's get a coffee. It's dismissive. What, what is truth? What is, what, is, what is that to me? Is kind of more the idea that seems to be getting conveyed in this context. But Pilate, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Right? He, he, where he goes with this is simply to try and deal with the problem. He, he, he's not looking, he's not against Jesus in some sort of really hard sense. Right? He, he's not hostile to Christ. He just wants this problem to go away. If, if it's not my problem, I don't want to deal with it. So he goes back to the Jews, and he says, I find no basis for a charge against him. The first of three times that we're going to see in chapter 18 and chapter 19 where it's declared that Jesus is innocent. There's no crime that we can find against him. But again, Pilate, being a switched-on guy, says, maybe there's a way that we can all get out of this together. Okay? Where he says... It is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Now, again, Pilate being a switched-on guy, was this a little dig at them? Like, clearly they don't think he's the king of the Jews, right? So was this a little bit of a jibe back, maybe? Like, thanks for interrupting my breakfast. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Something like that. But he's giving them an out, right? It seems to be a bit of an embarrassing situation for them that they've come, they've brought no evidence against this man, they're all huddled outside. Technically, him releasing them is not the same thing as an acquittal, it's not the same thing as a a legal charge of not guilty. It's more like saying, yeah, yeah, we'll say he's guilty and I'll release him back out to you and we'll be done with it. That's more the idea of what's going on. Right? Do you want me to just, just release him out? This king of the Jews thing, we'll be done with it. And it's fine. But they say, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. And it says, now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. We get very little details about uh, Barabbas here, but we get a little bit more in the other Gospels. But essentially, 
Barabbas is a guy who's led a band of outlaws that sought to rebel against Roman rule, and in the course of that rebellion, at least one person that we know of died, possibly at Barabbas' own hands. And so again, you can see the irony of what's taking place. These Jews who are concerned about ceremonial cleanness and not getting themselves ritually unclean before God, who have literally tried to get a man killed, are now saying, no, no, release the murderer to us, rather than this man that you found no charge against. That, that's the state of their hearts as we get to the end of this part of the story, still with the, the cross and what's to come. Now, like I said, I know that we're working our way slowly through this story, and we, and we know the end, and we're going to think about that in just a second, but I really do just want to slow down for our last little part here and think about this idea of what it means for Jesus' kingdom to not be of this world and to be of another place and how it relates, release, sorry, relates to this idea of us hearing the truth about God. Because this isn't the first time that Jesus has spoken about the kingdom of God in the Gospel of John. Go way back to chapter 3 in his conversation with Nicodemus, and we find that he, spoke to, that he actually spoke about it then as well. Then, when Nicodemus was asking about a few things, he replied to him and said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He goes on and says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit, for flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to flesh. It fits very well, right, with this idea that Jesus has spoken now to Pilate where he says, my kingdom is not of this world, but of another. It's not a fleshly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. If you want to enter into this kingdom, it's not being born in the flesh that makes that possible. It's being born in the Spirit that makes it possible. That's what it means for Jesus to be king in a world that we can't see. It's because we're not born into it naturally. It's something that we have to enter by the Spirit. And that helps us with a little bit of background here to get at what Jesus is actually talking about here in this dialogue with Pilate. Because when Pilate says, you are a king then, his focus is not so much on his kingness. You know, yeah, you say that, but here's what you really need to understand. The reason that I was born and came into this world which is a clever little way of saying that he existed before he was born. Born into this world, but that's where I came into it from, suggesting he was around somewhere else before that. He says, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. That's what I've come for. And the question before you now, Pilate, is are you going to listen to it? Are you going to be on my side with this? And so Pilate is face to face with this idea, and I think this is just worth pondering here. Putting ourselves in Pilate's shoes for a minute. He's a powerful guy, serves a big empire. He's got lots of things to do. This is a crazy situation that he suddenly finds himself in, and a complex one. At the time, there were definitely Jewish people that wanted to revolt against Roman rule. It happened on numerous occasions. There was always uprisings that needed to be put down. He was a long way away from Rome. He's got a lot of concerns. He didn't have a massive army there. And so part of good rule for him looked like working with the local people where he could, but also pretty ruthlessly cutting down any real rebellion that seemed to rise up against him. This was not an easy job. But in, term, in worldly terms, he's in a powerful position. He's done well for himself. 
We don't know a lot about his background, whether he was born wealthy, whether he was born poor and worked his way up. We don't know. But we know that he now finds himself in a position where he carries lots of worldly responsibility. And now, this guy Jesus, who the Jewish people have got such a strong opinion on that they want to see him dead, stands before him, and he knows something of the facts of his claim to be the messianic king of the Jews. You know, he knows that this is their sort of thing. He knows something of their customs. We don't know if he knows about Jesus' miracles or not, but we know that surely this is an intriguing guy standing before him. This is worth paying some attention to. This is the sort of moment where you're like, it really feels like something strange is going on. I think I should dig deeper and get to the bottom of this. But the response that he gives is, what is truth? Just just let's let's get rid of this. Let's, Let's not deal with this now. And I can't help but wonder if for some of us who maybe aren't following Jesus and are visiting and checking this whole thing out, that maybe that's often our approach to these spiritual things that people talk about. Maybe you've got a friend that's brought you along this morning and they seem really into this spiritual stuff and all that sort of thing, but so often you're just like, look, that's their thing. That feels like a you thing, not a me thing. And so, you know what? not, Not really here for that. But the thing is, these claims that Jesus makes, They're too intriguing, they're too compelling, that there's too much there to it to where it could even be considered wise to simply dismiss it. Even if you've got lots going on in your life, even if you've got lots of responsibilities, even if things are complex for you, to simply say, what is truth, dismiss it, you know, like that's their thing, it's just not smart. Like it's, it's kind of a a foolish thing to do, to at least not pursue it further. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning, as you've come and heard this story, that all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, I'm all in now that you've told this story. But what I'm suggesting to you is this might be worth pursuing. That we're going to be spending a few weeks here over Easter, going into term two, we're really looking at these claims about Jesus and the claims that he made about himself, and that to dismiss these is foolishness. Because the the question here that that Pilate answers is actually kind of the wrong one. He asked the question, what is truth? But the better question that he couldn't yet understand is, who is truth? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the reason that I had that that signal and noise stuff in my head, which is about predicting the future, is, is that there's all these breadcrumbs that have been getting laid. All these things before Pilate, where if he was focusing in on the right details in that moment, then maybe, without knowing the full picture, he still could have sensed something of that which was to come, that something was building here. Yes, on one level, Jesus seems just like this poor dude from Nazareth, that there's just nothing to it. It's another case that the Jews have brought before me. I'm dealing with these guys all the time. It's such a hassle. But you know what? There's always some dude claiming to be the Messiah around this place. Just forget about it. But if he just stopped and slowed down and said, hold on, what has this Jesus guy been doing? Bring in some other guys around. He's been doing miracles? He's been healing the blind? He's been casting out demons? Like, like everyone is in an uproar because he's been healing on the Jewish holiday. Nobody's denying that he's doing healings, but it it was on the wrong day? Like, maybe something special is actually taking place here. And as we're going to see, for John, that all 
culminates in the gospel in Jesus' death and resurrection where Jesus says to all, indeed, I am the king of the Jews. Now, let's say you're here visiting with us today, and I know that most of us, we're, we're already in. But I want to challenge all of us who are following Jesus to think about it in these terms. Amidst all the noise that we have around us, how do we come back to focus in on that signal of the truth? Because as we see here, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, it's of another place. But the thing is that in our flesh, we all live in this world. This is our earthly dwelling. And there's all sorts of things that are happening in our life that are complex. We've got responsibilities, we've got all sorts of things that we need to be doing, and Unlike Pilate, we have seen Jesus for who he is and we are in with him. But the trouble is, the trick is, the temptation is that now that I'm in with Jesus, that we just go back to thinking about all the complexities of our earthly responsibilities and the things that we've got to do in our career and our kids and our job and our housing and our schools and all this sort of stuff. And that we are, can literally be face to face with the truth. And better than Pilate, we say, no, I believe in Jesus. And in every meaningful way, we are saved and part of his kingdom. And yet sometimes we can live like we're not. We are rightly in the kingdom of God. We're rightly a part of his spiritual kingdom. But so much of the New Testament is just trying to drive this message home to us again and again and again, what the kingdom of God looks like. So that's where we live, not just in our earthly ways. And so I just want us to examine our hearts this week as we work through this passage together to think, you know, where have I been like Pilate? Where, where is my, have I been hearing the truth? Have I been focused on that? Have I been listening to Jesus, or has my attention been elsewhere? And even though he's standing right here before me and very real, in a very real way with me, am I listening? Or in the hustle and bustle of everything I do, have I been dismissing him, not rejecting him, not denying him in that strong sense, but living like I'm, I've just got things to do? All right? This is, it's a question, and this is the thing. If that is where we've been at, if we have been living that way, the great news of the gospel is that we're forgiven. We don't need to hide ourselves in shame. We don't need to run away. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We don't need to self-flagellate and, oh my gosh, I've been ignoring Jesus. I'm the worst Christian. The good news of the gospel is that because of the cross, it, it, you're forgiven. You know what, man? Okay, Lord, forgive me for, for not paying enough attention to you. Thank you that because of what you've done for me, I'm still right here with you. This week, may I be more mindful of the things of you and, and, and loving you and serving you well. Awesome. We're good. Let's go. All right? So, seeing as we're awesome, we're good. Let's go. Let's pray that this week we live with that knowledge deep in our hearts, confident before our King and living for his glory. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us. Thank you, Lord, that he has revealed that he is the King to so many of us here. That, Father, we know in our hearts that, that we belong to a kingdom that's not of this world. And we pray, Father, we would live like it. May we not be dismissive of Jesus' voice. May we not be so focused on just dealing with our own stuff and conveniences and what's happening in our little space that we don't stop and listen to you. That, Lord, we don't foolishly act as though we're not part of your kingdom, though we truly are by faith. And, Lord, for anyone here who, who is not yet following you, we pray, Father, they would be intrigued by what they've heard this morning. 
by the claims that Jesus has made about himself. The truth of your gospel. The truth of who he is. And we pray, Father, that they would want to go deeper. We pray, Father, they would listen to your truth and believe in you as we do so that they might become part of your kingdom also, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.